Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode features Jess sharing her journey as a young mother. At 23 years old, Jess was deep in the Melbourne bar scene, working and studying at uni when a surprise pregnancy turned her world upside down. A journey that shaped her into the woman she is today and showed her what she is capable of, teaching her to adapt with strength and resilience. When she fell pregnant with her second child during COVID times, Jess knew she needed to escape Melbourne and head home to birth her baby. Although she felt her first birth in the hospital was a positive experience at the time, it was only after birthing her son in her full power at home that she felt the true essence of an undisturbed physiological birth. Her next surprise pregnancy would require a moment to process as she slowly accepted the next season upon her, embracing all that it entailed. Nearing the end of her pregnancy, Jess's speculation that her daughter was presenting breach became her reality. Entering this birth in complete trust to the process and an unwavering belief in her body's capabilities, she went to the depths of the birth realm to bring her daughter home. Enjoy the episode. Jessica, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I am Jess, of course. I have three beautiful children, all under the age of three. So some people call me crazy, but it's just beautiful chaos, I like to call it. So I've got Hallie, she's my three-year-old, and Zeppelin, he is my two-year-old, and brand new baby Husky, who is now, I think, 10 weeks old. Gorgeous, little freshy. Now, let me do the math because I had three under two, but I had twins. Ah, right. Yeah. yeah. So you would have basically been pregnant, what, a couple of months after? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I had my daughter and then to our, surpri- to our surprise, around five or six months, I was like, oh, oh wow. I'm pregnant again. And then so <laughs> there was a bigger gap between having my son and falling pregnant with Husky. I think it was 11 months. Okay. Um, 
none of them were planned, but all very welcomed. Um, yeah, and we just kind of were like, all right, Let's I guess this is it. happening. Let's do it. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no better time than the present. Yeah, that's it. So you said that none of the pregnancies were planned? No. So I am 27. My husband is 25. We're very oh, wow. young to be yeah. married with three kids. So I fell pregnant with Hallie when I was 23. I was still in uni doing my fashion degree. I was working at a bar. We were living in Melbourne, like living the full thrasher Melbourne <laughs> bar scene life. I had no intentions of being pregnant, but I guess, yeah, I just, I kind of knew, like it was one of those things where I met Jeremy. We were best friends before we kind of were like, cool, let's do this thing. Um, I went through a really hectic time in my personal life. Like I lost my dad when I was 21. So I kind of feel like that made me grow super quickly. And um, yeah, so when I fell pregnant, I almost was like, this is literally like, I just felt like it was just a gift from, you know, my dad. And it was just like, and now looking back on that, like I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not fallen pregnant so young I feel Mm. like it has really shaped me into not that I'm just a mum but I feel like having the kids has really made me be accountable and grow up a little bit and yeah like get better at adulting even though sometimes I still feel like that 21 year old I'm just like (laughs) well how do I have three kids but yeah we kind of just fell into it so when when I fell pregnant I was like right like cool there's no one else that I would love to have a kid with and then from there we just kind of shook shook hands and we're like let's do the thing we're a team now and love it and then it kind of just happened and yeah here we are yeah (laughs) still good on you was it extremely challenging to have to navigate that especially being such a surprise and you know being so young yeah so I mean I feel like this day and age everyone kind of waits for that perfect time you know like we've got to buy the house we've got to have the savings we've got to do this we've got to do that Jeremy and I had nothing and we just were like, we just got to make it work. We're really lucky enough that, you know, our, my mum especially did buy a couple of things. Like she, she bought a pram for us, you know, like everything else I kind of was like, right, we got to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. we just went from there. Like I, I worked right up until I think I was like 30 weeks and I was pretty much doing nothing at the bar by that point. Everyone was just laughing at me every time I would come to work. They're like, why are you still working? And they they would put me out on the floor and I would just go around with the iPad and chat with everyone and make sales and send them back to the bar. And it was so hilarious. I ended up loving it. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, guys, I actually can't fit behind this bar anymore. My belly's like running into everyone. I can't like (laughs) get in front of anyone. I can't bend down to get the wine out of the fridge. Like I got to go. And I was still in uni. I actually finished my second, second year, um, literally, I think it was my last last trimester of my second year. I was sewing one of my final garments for my first collection literally the night that I was due and I was saying to this baby, like Hallie, I was like, do not start labour until I've put my sewing machine away. And I swear to God, no joke, I was rolling into uni and that night like put my sewing machine away, swept the floor, vacuumed up, up all the string. I got into bed and I was like, all right, you can come. And the next day I woke up and I was in labor. I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Love it when they listen. Yeah. Being so young, what was your perception of birth at that stage? Because I know at that age I was quite fearful. I am really lucky in the sense that, like, I feel like every woman has a birth story and 
you really do go through that ancestral, like what was your story through your mother and your grandmother and what have you heard about birth? And I was really lucky in a sense that my mum always spoke really positively of birth. She was always like, you know, when I had you, I was in the emergency room and there was no nurses available, so I just held your dad's hand and out you came, you know, like very, very like raw and real. And I've always had that, all right, well, that's just what we do. Do you know what I mean? And at the time I had a girlfriend um, who she had a two-year-old and she was always so positive about birth. She had a, she was obsessed with home birth and natural birth and like raising your children naturally and you know, and I was like, wow, like at that time, even though I was so young, I had started my like holistic kind of lifestyle very young and I was very in tune and very spiritual and with what I was putting in my body and what I wanted and what I knew I was capable of. So I kind of already had that preconceived notion of what I wanted my journey to be without really knowing. It's almost as if I always say this and everyone laughs at me. They're like, oh, you're such a hippie. I'm like, I always feel like it was just written in the stars that like this was going to be my journey. And yeah, absolutely. To, to have my girlfriend, her name's Whitney, to have my girlfriend, you know, walk that path before me was really cool because I remember ringing her and I was like, Whitney, like I'm pregnant. And she goes, I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant too. So it was really beautiful that we got to have like she had her second daughter. Oh, wow. that She's the same age as Hallie. So we had pregnancies together and it was really nice to walk side by side to just feel confident in everything that I wanted for my birth to be kind of backed up by her preconceived knowledge of what she's already gone through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just went down that route of like, you know, I'll have a natural birth and um, – this, this, I really was kind of strong in what I wanted. And, and from that, I remember my entire pregnancy, just knowing that my body was going to be capable of birthing. Mm. And that was really, that was really my first, yeah, my first little dabble in it, I guess. So by the time I had my daughter now, which I guess we'll get to eventually, like I just, it's just so normal what our bodies can do, you know, it's so natural and normal. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that was the natural progression for you then to end up free birthing? Yeah, I mean, I did have a midwife with me, um, my beautiful midwife, Meg. Meg. Yeah, I had Meg for my son. I love, oh, I just love Meg. (laughs) She's the best. I was like, you can discharge me now into the friend zone. At our six week catch up. I love it's it. It's almost, you almost feel like you've got to have more babies, don't you? So that you can stay in contact with them more. I know. Well, that's like the blessing. Like, I feel like Meg and I just hit it off. We're so similar in our characteristics and the way that we like hold conversations. She always used to say to me, like, you make me feel so unprofessional when I come to your house because we just <laughs> end up like chatting for hours. And then we're like, oh, let's do the midwife thing, check the baby's heart rate, like all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But yeah, so. I guess Meg was such a beautiful midwife to have because essentially like without labeling it a free birth, she didn't undisturbed. Yeah. She, it was undisturbed. There was no monitoring. I mean, with Husky, there was a few monitoring cause she was presenting breach. So she, Meg did, you know, just check. And yeah, every couple of hours she was uh, hours. I mean, I feel like it was maybe even half an hour. Who knows when you're stuck in the birth realm. Sorry, my mum's just trying to call me. I got to decline that call. Um, <laughs> mum, we're doing a podcast. Mum, please. <laughs> I know she's always like that. She wants to know what's going on. Mind you. <laughs> yeah, and I remember um, during my birth. Yeah, because Husky did present as breach, and you know she would just say, "Your baby." She would do the heart um, monitor, 
She would say, your baby's really happy, Jess. And that was, like, enough for me to just be like, sweet, I can do this, you know. And there was a few funny moments that, like, we laugh about now. And I, I remember sitting in the shower and I was like, I probably was just – in that transitional phase I just kept looking at her I was like I don't want to do it anymore as we all do like when we get to that point and she goes and she goes okay well what's the other option <laughs> and we just both laugh about it now because so like there true. is no other option I'm about to give birth like yeah I'm, I'm doing I'm You're doing, doing the thing. <laughs> I love that so much okay so you're 23 you have this innate trust in birth yeah what model of care did you end up choosing so I obviously wanted a home birth, um, but I don't know. I just felt I was we were living in Melbourne at the time and I wasn't really around besides my girlfriend, Whitney. Um, she ended up having her baby at 30 weeks. So oh. she was in the NICU by the time I was giving birth. So I kind of had that last leg by myself and we decided to, I lived right next to um, a hospital. It was a women's hospital. So I lived literally right next door to it. So we ended up just opting for a hospital birth and I did have like a birth plan and I knew what I wanted and what I didn't want going into that. And I really fought for no epidural and, you know, no pain relief and no cesarean. Like they, you know, hospital births, I feel like they did in that moment, they pressured me. They were like, your heart rate's going up. The baby's heart rate's going up. You need to have a cesarean. Da, 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 we need to take you to like we need to take you to theater because they were like we need to put a dressing gown on you and I was like oh yeah no worries like I've got one I'll just put it on they're like no it needs to be like a hospital gown because you might have to go to we might have to prep you for surgery and I just I remember in that moment I just looked at Jeremy my husband and I was just like I started crying and I was like no nah, I can do this I can literally do this I'm not going to, I'm not going to theater mm-hmm. and so I have kind of Look, after I had that birth, I had it naturally. Like I did it all, I thought in that moment, I did it all myself and I got home and I was super happy with the experience. But after the two births that I've had undisturbed at home, I look back on that and I'm like, wow, like I really was pressured into doing things that I didn't want to do and my control was kind of semi-taken away from me as much as I thought in the moment that it wasn't. And looking back, comparing the two, you know, they gave me an episiotomy without asking and they put me up in the stirrups and said that I couldn't, you know, be on all fours, which was naturally what my body was asking me to do. And, of course, being my first birth, like, you just listen to, you listen to, you know, health professionals, I guess. And then um, looking, like, as I said, comparing to, sorry, I'm just feeding Bob, comparing to the births that I've had, on my own you really are your own health professional and that's something I am so like passionate about when I talk to mums and I talk to you know my friends that are getting pregnant and people that want to get pregnant and they're like listening to all these people telling them about their own bodies and I just say like you know your body and you know your baby more than anyone else in this world Mm. and if you tune into that like you're the, you're in the driver's seat, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I know some girlfriends that have had elective cesareans, and like that's the choice that they've wanted to make, and they've been in control of that choice. But when you're put in that moment, and the second that you hit that transitional where you, 
I know. I mean, obviously people, some people listening to this have had babies, some people have it, but like when you hit that transitional phase, like your body, like you meet that person that's going to birth the baby for you inside of you. So Mm. the part of you that can't do it says out loud, I can't do it, but you know that you can. Mm. So as soon as you hit that point, I feel like that's when the system attacks you. Yeah. And like, just goes, cool. You're vulnerable. Let's go. And so it's, it's that detrimental moment of like, do you have enough power within you to say, no, I can do this? Or do you succumb to all of the pressure around you saying, have the epidural, go to surgery, do this, do that? Because you're in that, am I trusting myself or am I trusting these people? Because it's hard. Mm. I'm birthing a baby and my body is at its physical and mental capacity. And you're just leaning on, you know, you're leaning on someone to support you. And if, you know, if you are thrown into a position, like some hospitals have beautiful midwives and can deliver beautiful natural births. But more often than not, the narrative is that the system jumps into vulnerable women and will direct them to those things. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I opted with my second two births. I just knew the second I got pregnant again, it was just before literally I got pregnant probably two weeks before they – I found out I was pregnant two weeks before they announced this whole COVID thing back in 2020. I can't remember my thought process, but in Melbourne, um, before we moved back – so I live in mermaid waters now. I guess I should have said that (laughs) at the beginning. But we ended up moving back to the Gold Coast because the narrative down in Melbourne was that partners weren't allowed into the room. You had to wear masks while giving birth. You you know, like partners weren't allowed to stay post – like postnatally. And that scared the shit out of me. Like I was like, no, like women are so vulnerable in that – birth space and the postpartum space to not be allowed to have a birth partner with them it just it just was the the craziest thing to me and I remember hearing women's stories like one woman I woman I heard that she had to give birth and her husband wasn't allowed to he had to sit in the car park and he wasn't allowed to come in to the birthing suite until she was crowning. Like, can you imagine that, like, trauma that these women are probably still dealing with, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. And just to isolate women especially, like, this this should be, like, such a happy moment, you know? And the poor mums of 2020 and beginning of 2021, like, it was just not that. And I have some friends, I still have some friends that, like, are still really upset about the experiences that they had giving birth during COVID. So that's why I opted to, first of all, get the hell out of Melbourne and come back to Queensland because I grew up here. So I was like, I'm going home. My family's there. Like, like let's do it. And then I, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I contacted um, It Takes a Village because I've heard all of these beautiful, you know, um, recommendations about Meg and Mayette. And I was lucky enough to get Meg as my midwife and, yeah, basically, she was like, oh, well, you can meet me first and see if we're aligned. I'm like, no, nah, book me in. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're my chick, book me in. And, like, <laughs> we have never looked back since. So, Love it. yeah, I came home and, like, yeah, just went down the route of didn't really do much. I did. I think I did my 20-week scan and that was it and just went from there and saw Meg a couple of times, checked Bob's heart rate, but just again trusted that my body was doing the thing that it's built to do you know yeah what about birth education any particular resources that you found really helpful in the lead up to birth um I think I did for my first I went to like um two hypnobirthing classes but then 
hypnobirthing really is just it's like meditation really isn't it you just mm. you just go within yourself and and it goes it goes back to that inner wisdom that you have within yourself like if you know that you can do it you can do it and that's like the framework of it everything else is just it can be noise if there's too much you know but the the basics of it is like if you know that you and if you if you want to and you know that you can you can you will yeah Absolutely. Now, did you say that your son was presenting breach? So my son was not breach. My daughter that I just had 10 weeks ago, she was breach. Right. Okay. So which was an experience in itself. So with my son, um, my daughter being your first, I feel like your first labor's a little longer. Um, your body's like, what the hell is going on? My hips have to open. What is going on? And then with my son, because I feel like this was like 14 months after I'd given birth the first time. So that's not a lot of turnaround time. Were you breastfeeding? Um, yeah, I actually got pregnant while I was breastfeeding. But I I wasn't exclusively breastfeeding, so I was bottle feeding and, like, topping up with a bit of formula. That's a whole other story in itself, isn't it, breastfeeding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a very dangerous misconception that breastfeeding is contraception. <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Such a it's lie. It's a lie. Um, I don't even think I had my period back, so which is why I probably didn't even know that I had been ovulating. Yeah, okay, wow. I know, my body was like, let's do We're it. We're doing this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was that pregnancy being so close from when you'd just given birth? Um, honestly, it was so different. Like, with, like, I feel like with any pregnancies, like your first is your first. You've got all this time in the world to, like, be in your body and, like, experience pregnant life and then – being pregnant so quick after I had, I guess that was six to, you know, six to 12 months of my daughter's life. They were like, that's when they get busy and they start learning and they need your presence more so than ever. So that was crazy. I didn't really feel like I had time to be in body. Also, we moved from Melbourne to the Gold Coast during COVID. So we were thrown into lockdown. This was before, um, not lockdown, into quarantine. This was before you actually really knew that you were going to be into quarantine so we didn't have anything for 14 days we just had these like carry-on suitcases because all of our stuff we had shipped back to Queensland from Melbourne um that was traumatic in itself because we they they kept changing the rules like you can stay you can't stay by the time we got there they threw us in quarantine it was 12 o'clock at night um it was like traumatic I was sitting at the airport and they wouldn't even let me walk two meters to the vending machine they had us in this like blocked off kind of area like it was just crazy and I still thought I was going to go like get let out and go home to my mum's at that point because we ended up living with my mum while we got back on our feet up here and they threw us into quarantine and it was just that first of all they were like you can't stay you've got to go back to Melbourne tomorrow and then overnight the rules had changed and it was just this hectic experience so my second pregnancy was really fueled by stress and discomfort so by the time I had my son I woke up he was, I think he was on his due date, which is very rare. Um, he was on his, or maybe a day after his due date. Um, I woke up at five in the morning and he was born by nine o'clock. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I feel like my body with all the stress just kind of was like, get this baby out of me. <laughs> <laughs> what about your episiotomy scar? Did you have any fears around that? So, yeah. And that kind of carried on to my third pregnancy, actually, because that, that like backs all the, the trauma backs all the way to that episiotomy. So with my son, I actually ended up having 
a second degree tear, which we were really lucky that um, the Meg and her girls, like one of them was able to do sutures, so I was able to get sutured at home. Um, But that was something that going into my third pregnancy, I still had trauma around. Luckily, like surprisingly with breach, I didn't tear at all. Um, but with my son, I had that second degree tear right where the episiotomy was. Oh, okay. So there was, yeah, so there was some trauma around that. Um, yeah. He came really quick though, right? He was, he was very quick. Okay. Yeah, and I think um, going into this third pregnancy, I actually consciously was massaging that scar tissue, kind of being like, all right, like we got a job to do here. Like mm. don't, don't break again. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Now, I would love to hear about the moment that you found out you were pregnant again with Bubba number three. Oh, my goodness. So, (laughs) you know, the funny thing is I had two – I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old at that point. I was in the thick of it. I still – I feel like I still am in the thick of it. But I had just gotten to a place where, you know, I'd gone back to work and I started my own business and everything was really, really looking up and I felt really positive coming into this 2022. Like we were getting married in February. Like we had things to look forward to and I – Remember on New Year's, we live on the water and we could see the fireworks and I just was looking out. I was like, I am so happy. Like, we are so blessed. We've got a boy and we've got a girl. You know, life is great. We've got our business. We're growing it. We came from nothing. You know, we can do this. This year's going to be great. Like, I had such a sight set on what I thought this year was going to be. And no joke, on the 9th of January, Jeremy's like, I kept being like, oh, my period's late, like, da-da-da. And I was like, nah, there's no way I'm pregnant. Like, I had just – I'd stopped taking all my vitamins because I um, was working with an Ayurvedic doctor. Um, I had developed, like, psoriasis. So I was working with an Ayurvedic doctor to kind of, you know, get my psoriasis down and I'd stopped all my vitamins. And I was like, nah, babe, like, my body's just, you know, having a cleanse. Mind you, like, my period since I was – probably 13 has always been on time it's never been late or anything like that so I've been pretty lucky in the sense that I always knew that it was going to come at the beginning of the month and when it got to the beginning of the month I was like no like let's just give it a week and it was actually my husband that was like no I'm literally going across the road to get a pregnancy test and it wasn't until he walked across the road that I started having this existential crisis I was like wait am I pregnant like what what do you mean like what do you mean? I'm pregnant again. Like I've just like gotten back on my feet. I'm just feeling good. I'm just feeling confident. Like I feel like I've found myself again after having two babies. Like I was mentally not prepared to be pregnant again. And when he came home and I did the pregnancy test, I just did it. And I walked out and I showed him and I just curled up on the floor and I started crying. And I was, I, you know, and I feel like this is a whole other topic. Like I know so many women that at the moment are struggling with fertility and I didn't want to admit that I was sad to be pregnant again. Not sad, but I was just in this place of like despair and I didn't, I felt so isolated in that feeling because I feel like it is really common in this day and age that like fertility is not as easy as it is for me. And I felt yeah, like shame around not, being happy that I was pregnant Mm. I just didn't know what to do and I I didn't even tell my sisters I've got three sisters they didn't know I was pregnant till I was like 20 weeks pregnant right okay I got married no one knew I was pregnant like (gasps) it was crazy I just I just didn't announce that I was pregnant because I just didn't know how I felt you know yeah how'd you get around that because surely someone clued on at some point well luckily 
my wedding was in February, so I'd found out in January. So by that time, it honestly looked like, and like luckily during COVID, Jeremy's family hadn't seen me since I'd had Zeppelin. So they didn't know what my weight was. They thought like, do you know what I mean? Like by that point, I'd lost a little bit of weight. So to them, I kind of looked, I didn't look pregnant at all because that was like, they hadn't seen me since I had my postpartum weight. And it was like, yeah, it was one of those like lucky things (laughs) that I just wasn't really showing because yeah. I would have I would have only been about eight weeks, okay. so I had I had the the um, alcohol removed, champagne, and <laughs> like <laughs> boring. Yeah, yeah. So did it take you until twenty weeks to sort of allow it to sink in properly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what was everyone's response? Were you worried about that? It's actually, it's actually. I was. I was really self conscious about it, okay. and. I was self-conscious because I knew what everyone was going to say and it was like, oh, my God, surely not. Mm. You know, like it wasn't like a happy – it wasn't like, oh, my God, congratulations, that's so exciting. Like it was like, girl, like you literally have two kids, (laughs) you're 26, like you – like what have you got going for you? Do you know what I mean? And like Mm. in my mind I'm like, I'm great, I've got my business, like I've got goals, I've got dreams, like these kids aren't going to stop me being – who I want to be in life but at the same time I just was so heavily judged I like yeah I don't know it was a weird time like I mean I feel like my close circle of friends that knew were super excited like I go to an awesome Pilates studio and the two, two of the instructors like they just hyped me up the whole time and that was kind of like my little circle for that entire pregnancy and I was really held in that space because it was just like they were really excited for me and they hyped me up about being pregnant and I I have like it's a you know true testament to like them as people because that kind of got me through that end that end leg of the pregnancy when I started to be like you know what I am going to embrace this pregnancy I put my kids in daycare for the first time. They were both in daycare and I had this freedom again. You know, I was able to take a step back from my business and just have a couple of girls running it for me. Mm. So I did step back into that where I was in my first pregnancy. You know, I would go to the beach and sit with my belly and talk to my baby and just be able to connect with who I was growing. So I did end up moving from a space of shame and oh, this baby's just going to fit into the family to like not really acknowledging the soul I was growing to really, really embodying pregnancy, womanhood, the baby I was growing, knowing exactly who I was growing to, you know what I mean? Like I didn't find out the gender. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. But ultimately it goes back to that inner wisdom. Like I knew it was a girl and I knew it was this, now that she's here with me, like I just knew it was her, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of women can say that as well. Like you just know. Yeah, for sure. Jumping to the end of your pregnancy with her, how were you feeling? So during, I think I always like, and that happened with like my son as well. Like you get to that point where like up to like 30 weeks, I was like, yes, like this is great. Maybe even like 35 weeks. And then, cause I was still doing, I was exercising. I was like going for walks along the beach. I was really just being pregnant and really loving it. Mm-hmm. And it got to this closer to birth and I was like, yep, I got this. I got this like. Um, I even spoke with Meg about free birthing and, you know, God bless her. She's such a beautiful woman. She's like, she was telling me like, if that's what you, um, want and need to do, like she a hundred percent supports that. And then she, you know, was just saying, but she would be honored to 
be there and witness me giving birth, like whatever I chose, she was going to be supportive of, which really kind of made me feel supported in itself. So leading up to that, I dabbled with that a little bit, but then something came over me. Like, I think it was about four weeks before I gave birth. I just like switched. I slowed down a lot. Like I felt a lot of shift happening around me. And ultimately I was telling myself, I was like, I think this baby's breach. And then that was subconscious. My subconscious was like, your baby's breach. And my conscious mind was like, no, this baby's not breached because if everyone knows this baby's breached, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to have to go into hospital and I'm going to have a cesarean. So I think consciously I was like, no, no, no. Like, And I would feel and Meg would come and we would feel and we'd be like, yep, that's the shoulders, that's the head. And like, I think we both were just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but we just went with it anyway. And then it literally got to like, I think it was like two weeks before I was due and I would just have the, I was like, I just don't remember my babies moving around so much before birth. Like I don't remember seeing feet pop out of my, near my, like, you know, feet or hands popping out where they shouldn't be. And I'm like, and I feel like that's really a head under my ribs and not a bum, but I'm going to pretend that it's a bum. (laughs) And I would feel my belly every night to just be like, oh yeah, the baby's head down, like we're ready to go. And then as it got closer and closer, I just knew. And so I wasn't really real. I actually wasn't surprised when my waters broke and there was a lot of meconium in the water. I was just like, I rang Meg and I was like, look, there's a bit of, uh, and that's when I knew I was like, I'm not free birthing. Yeah. Okay. Not that I was, yeah, not that I was scared of a breech birth, but instinctually I was just, as soon as my waters broke, I was like, I've got to call Meg. Like she was the first person I called and I was like, Hey, just so you know, like, just got a little bit of meconium in my waters not a little bit like there's a lot (laughs) and then as I was she's like yeah a little bit's fine like no worries and then Jeremy called her back probably like half an hour later because she lives an hour and a half away from me like wonderful 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 woman she doesn't really service the Gold Coast but because she's um delivered helped me deliver my son and supported me on that birth journey she was like okay like I'll come down for you whatever so (laughs) So I was really lucky in the sense that she you know traveled down to see me Mm. and so I called um Jeremy called her and was like you know like she's having contractions there's a bit more like meconium coming out it's pretty thick she's like yep a little bit's fine and by the time she got here I just looked at her I was like so Pretty much there's meconium all over the floor because the baby's bum is coming out first. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And she she was like, okay, we're having a breech baby. Oh, wow, that is amazing. So you said you knew she was coming out bum first. Were you already birthing her at that stage? No, my contractions, it was like there was meconium coming down my birth canal. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so any fears once you really knew that, okay, this is a breech birth? Not fear, but I almost went into this deep, like, you know, you go deep when you give birth, but when you're giving birth to a breech baby, you have to go deeper. Like, I went into this realm that I honestly, I just can't even bring to words because it was like this mental barrier that I had to cross being like, I know how to give birth to head down babies and I can visualize the baby's head coming down. Mm -hmm. But you have to take that deepest step when you're giving birth to a breech baby because you have to visualize like, how is this bum and this body going to fit out of the canal first? Like, how is this like going to happen? You know, so physically feeling that and mentally trying to visualize that and stay in that um 
I guess, hypnobirthing meditative state where you, you're in control and you're trusting. It was so hard. Like, that's why I had that conversation with Meg. Like, I can't do it. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. And she laughed back and she's like, well, what's the other option? And I, and I knew the other option. I knew the other option was, cool, let's go to the hospital and cut the baby out, you know? Yeah. Like, and I did, that's not something that I wanted. And we were already kind of so deep in it that, the only option was like to push through and birth your baby. Yeah. yeah. So in comparison to my son's birth, I feel like I was really in control and I was really able to just breathe and like tell my body, like, we got this, we got this. And it was quite straightforward for a birth. I was really lucky in a sense that my first home birth was not lucky. I guess I was lucky within myself that I was able to mentally like be there and be present and also like it was almost like I had one foot in the birthing realm and like one foot still on this earth plane like it's really weird to explain whereas with my daughter I was just not on earth Mm. I literally was not on earth I was so astral it's so crazy like I yeah like I can't explain the mental state that I went into to like birth this baby yeah wow and it was so like primitive and raw and I was gonna have a birth photographer I was gonna have my girlfriend here I was like yeah I got this I'm giving birth like I can fucking rock it like come over (laughs) like witness this this is beautiful and then that morning like that's what I mean like that morning I just called Meg and I said just come because shit's gonna go down you know and like I hid in the shower like we had um Meg always has a support midwife um so we had Sorka she services the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. and she came in and I was supposed to have yeah my girlfriend to come and photograph and I didn't in that moment I was like no I don't need to be seen I need like I'm going somewhere right now and I just need to do it by myself so I hit we have like a tiny little shower in our ensuite in our bedroom and so I was in the shower the whole time first of all because I felt more I felt safe in that little space and also because I was giving birth to a breech baby like that's a shit show there was like shit everywhere do you know oh. what I mean like this baby was like of course. her stomach was being squeezed every contraction so like it was messy like wow. I needed to be in the shower I kept like like under the water washing myself off like I just felt really safe in this small space and my husband holds space so well in in that birth space, he just, it's almost like he just trusts me. You know what I mean? He trusts that I can bring our baby earthside and he doesn't even say anything, but to have his grounding presence there, it was just him and I like in that little, our ensuite is like, honestly so small. It's just a shower and a toilet. Like, so he was just sitting on the toilet watching me in the shower and we, we weren't even talking. We were just making eye contact. I think a couple of times I said like, I was like falling asleep in between contractions. I was like, I'm so tired. I need to go to sleep. And then another contraction would come and then I would look at Meg and she would just, you know, say her couple of words or just give me a look. And yeah, just, I don't know, just the, the, the spot that I went to mentally. I even remember being like, I never want to do this again. Yeah. I would, yeah, it was really deep and, it was like a battle almost like I just you know because my son's birth like you always reflect on like every time you you get a new birth story right so I kind of was reflecting on how I felt during that and even in that moment I was like it was I remember it being easier than this and 
then Meg reminding me your baby's coming differently like your baby's coming bum first like yeah, it's not the same yeah that's actually something Meg touched on in her episode on the show about taking take in all the positive stories but don't attach yourself fully to one specific journey because every single birth experience you have can be different yeah and I I kind of that comes from Meg because she would keep reminding me of that. She's like, right, this was your first birth story. This was your second. They're both completely different. Your mm-hmm. third is going to be different again. Yeah. You know, like the the core framework again is that you know that you can do it. You know your body is capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. But everything else that fits into that frame is going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping back to your birth. So um, I... I just felt like, I mean, it was only like, I think three, three and a half to four hours, my labor, which I had felt like sitting in that shower, like my contractions, like I was going through all of this density and I kept like literally reaching in myself to like assess, like, is this head coming? Can I feel, uh, not head, is this bum coming? Like, can I feel this baby anywhere? And like getting really discouraged when I couldn't. Mm. And I kept having these really strong, like, Again, comparing back to like a normal birth, like contractions are strong, right? But this breach contraction is so different. Like it literally takes over every part of your being more so than a normal contraction because it's your body's working a little bit harder. So I kept having this and I got really discouraged when I couldn't feel the baby and I was like getting really tired as I was saying before. I just looked at my husband. I was like, I need to go to sleep. And even Meg was like, okay, we'll go to sleep. And I was like, no, I can't get out of the shower. I'm safe in here. (laughs) She's so funny like that. She's like, all right, do what you need to do. And I'm like, no, I need to stay in here. Um, And then I think actually maybe it was Sorka asked if I had, um, you know, done done a wee. And I was like, no, I haven't. So they were like, why don't you, you know, move to the, go and sit on the toilet to tell your body like, you know, to do one, maybe you've got to, to remove some space from your bladder and da, 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 da. Anyway, I did, I was like, yep. Okay. And I just moved over to sit on the toilet and I sat down and my body being in that like position, I had the strongest surge, like, Oh my God, I thought I was going to like, I don't even know, combust. And all of a sudden I reached in and I pulled my hand out and there was um, vernix all over my fingers and all on my fingernails. And I was like, I looked at Meg and I was like, oh, my God. Like I could even cry thinking about it. Like it was just one of those moments where I was like, I fucking did it. Like this is it. And I something snapped. I went from being in that deep, deep realm of like what is happening. I've got to do this. My body's working to right. There's a baby. Let's do it. I know I can do this now. And I just moved from the bathroom, I was. Le- I came and leant over the side of my bed, and my girlfriend Angel, she was my doula. She um, was on the other side of me, so I was holding on to her, and she was just whispering affirmations into my ear. I knew Meg was behind me. My husband went and got the kids, so my two kids were in the room as well. It was really, really, really powerful. So they were like, you know, they're toddlers, man. Like nine times out of ten, they're like chaos. And they came into the room and they were so present and so in the space and so quiet and so understanding. Like even my son, like a two-year-old boy, that is like they are just full of the most rage and testosterone they'll ever be in their lives at two years old. So for him to come in and just really witness what was happening and be really present, like it was just the moment was so special and so 
my you could hear my daughter going wow mommy wow like and the, like and I was grabbing onto Angel and of course then the ring of fire is an different experience all in itself when you've got these legs and bum coming out first you know it is it is a little bit softer on the cervix but ultimately like that opening I feel like I stretched more at the start than you do when the head comes down you know yeah so interesting just remember like I think it took a couple of pushes of like me fighting like no I'm about to rip in half to like okay no I've just got to do this I've just got to really push and so I gave a couple of big pushes and then um her I was like obviously feeling down as well and her bum was coming out and once I felt her in my hand I just you just go for it you're like okay cool and then um I think her leg flopped out, her legs both flopped out and then she was hanging there one arm and head still inside of me. Oh, my gosh, wow. I know. And I, you can hear my daughter. She's like, oh, look at her feet. Like we watched like the video and like her voice is so cute. She's like, oh, look at her feet. It's a baby. Like and it was just so oh, – I just was like full of oxytocin in that moment. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this is so good. <laughs> compared to like half an hour ago when I was like I can't do this what the hell so I just stepped into that like yeah that raw primal grabbing onto my girlfriend Angel and I just yeah I just went for it and so it was so funny Megan I joke she's like you made me look like a bad midwife I didn't catch your baby I thought you were gonna catch her <laughs> and she just like <laughs> plopped onto the ground and then <laughs> oh my god we like oh my god <laughs> oh wow But at that point, I was like, I'd just gone through this battle. I was like, get her out. I just like my last push. I was like, get her out. When she was out, I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, wow. So beautiful. I know. And then so, yeah, I did know the gender. So it was the whole like, um, oh, my God, it's a girl and all that jazz. And then the kids coming over and just having my other two kids there, like straight away being, I think I – turned to them and I was like we had a baby look we've got a new baby and they were just like ah <laughs> I'm so happy and like they felt the energy of the room as well and it was just such a beautiful morning I think it was like a drizzly morning and it ended up being like as baby was born like the kind of clouds moved and the sun came out and it was like so nice wow. it was just such a beautiful experience yeah magical Okay, so you've given birth to a breech baby. What goes through one's mind during that time? Like what was your inner dialogue after you just experienced this? I still had that like, oh, my God, what just happened, yeah. you know? Like like no, from going from knowing that you can do it and like doing it but still in such shock because I was now on the other side of it and I was like, okay, and then I remember sitting down and I looked at my husband. And I was like, ow, like that really hurt. <laughs> I did. I said, I was like, ow, that really hurt. Like I, and I said to him, I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah. Of course, now I'm sitting here with my baby looking and I'm like, oh my God, I could have 10 more of you. I love yes. it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. And it wasn't a hurt as in like I was in pain or discomfort. It was just, I think, my body connecting back to my mind. Mm-hmm. And understanding what we both just went through. Yeah. And also the way that I birthed her actually, like I ended up propping one leg up. So I had one knee on the ground and like one leg up, like one. So I was like on my foot kind of thing. And I think that really hurt my hip because straight after I just, I had her and then I sat back 
did the whole like, oh my god, it's a girl, da da da, like, and then like five minutes later, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like really uncomfortable. Um, birthed my placenta really quickly. I didn't need any kind of tinctures or anything like that I was able to just and that happened to my son as well my body was like cool I've done my job now here you go have the placenta (laughs) so that was super easy and then I just remember um I just laid down on the ground with her and the placenta I think for a couple of minutes maybe maybe it was longer who knows in that time hey because all of us I mean all of a sudden it was three o'clock in the afternoon when I got into bed and I was like what the heck she was born at nine in the morning so it's slow, but it like it, time just doesn't exist when you're in that birth space. It's the craziest thing. I, it's like it's a it's addictive almost. Oh yeah, for sure. What about your placentas? Did you end up doing anything special with any of them? So my daughters, I encapsulated. Yeah. My son, he real special story. His due date. So he was born. I think. A, yeah, he's born two days after the anniversary of my dad's passing and I he's the first boy and I had him in basically my family home when my dad actually had passed away five years prior so it was like really special and with his placenta I um, intended to plant it in the backyard and like give it back to the land but like unfortunately I left it in the freezer at my mum's house and we moved out and I went back to get it and she emptied the freezer and threw it out. So I was really, I felt so devastated. I like honestly felt like a part of me was like killed. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I had this like connection to the placenta that still wasn't even attached to me. But like once I found out that she did that, like I was really devastated that I didn't get that experience. So I will, um, I still have Husky's placenta. So I will be planting hers back at our family home that we've had for like 30 years because I feel like that'll always be in our family and it's always a place to go and my dad's ashes are scattered there as well so it's like just really like sentimental so that's beautiful I love that yeah so we know you're extremely fertile is there a plan in place to prevent pregnancy from happening again or are you open to having more children it's like a touchy subject oh, no okay. my husband was supposed to go and get a vasectomy like three weeks ago and I was like actually like I don't want to like I'm actually not ready to oh, not do that okay. again and he's like what do you mean and I'm like but look how cute she is I want 10,000 more I always say like you're very young I, though so you guys still have a lot of time up your sleeve I know and I always say like we've got so much life left to live and mm. I feel like if we were in 2022 and the price of living wasn't so expensive and this is I feel like just get me a little shed on a farm let me make my own food let me just be a mum forever yeah and I want to have 20,000 kids but also I have that like I want a career I want to do all the things (laughs) which I which I'm glad that like I'm always say that I'm glad that I did have kids before establish establishing myself yeah, okay. Because now I've got kids and anything else that happens from here is a blessing. Yeah. You know, like I'm already dealing with the chaos and if I can grow my business and, you know, be successful at that whilst also, you know, raising three children and keeping them alive, yeah. then like then that's like it, you know. You can like, do anything, mama. I, I know. <laughs> I feel like they're my little little blessings in disguise yeah definitely there are little teachers aren't they of course I always feel like um you know I post pretty heavily on my social media and 
I've got a lot of mum friends on there and people that aren't mums and I always get the same comment like oh my god I don't know how you do it and you know you're like I look up to you and all those kind of similar comments and like to me I'm just like I well I do appreciate them and like I do see it for what it is I just am like you just have to like when you have kids so young and when you're thrown into the situation like you just have like of course it's even with husky like I've had days where like I'll wake up and I'm like oh I'm feeling those hormones today I am feeling like a slight dip into that postnatal depression but I've got these two other kids that need my attention so I gotta get the fuck out of bed and I gotta make them breakfast and then in like starting the engine every morning to do the thing I end up like having a good day, you know, and like I want to set that example for my kids and just push through and kind of be proud of the fact that we, yeah, we don't, we don't have much, but it's enough, you know? Yeah. And just to be grateful, like we sit around the table every night and like my daughter always, she like now has followed the lead. She always starts it off like, all right, what are we grateful for? And every night we go around the table and say what we're grateful for. And my son's just started talking. So he's now a part of the conversation and it's just so cute. So adorable. Yeah. And it just gets better and better, right? Yeah. I feel like we're both in the trenches right now, but as challenging as it is, we're in a really beautiful season. And I, yeah, and I feel like, again, going back to having them so young and having, like, you know, being a uni student and, like, uni students are supposed to be, like, struggling. And we were. We were just, like, making, like, what we needed to to pay our rent. Do you know what I mean? But I feel mm. like that has taught us that, like, you don't need all of the things. You don't need the snoo. You don't need the, you know, you don't need the most expensive pram. You don't need the most expensive car seat. You don't need to buy a new car. Like you, your baby just needs you. And that's like something that I always tell people. I'm like, your baby just needs you. It needs clothes on its back and it needs its mum. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and nourishment, of course. But like that comes from either mum or like formula, whichever route people choose to take. But that's really like it's really really simple and I think it's been such a blessing to go through this young and have them back to back because you know we were able to just be like oh well we've already got you know these onesies and they're like cream color we'll just use them for the next baby and Mm -hmm. so my my daughter is in clothes that my both of my kids wore and of course they're pretty like washed out by now but they grow out of them so quickly. Like you don't need to take the Instagram photo. You don't need to, you know, they don't need to be extra all the time. Like we just live in such a dense world that it, it it's made to feel like there needs to be more. And I, I'm, I'm all for posting the real, like I'll post when I'm having a shit day, like when I'm struggling, when I'm, yeah, I always post the bad things as well because that's real. And I feel like a lot of people, in, especially in this day and age with, like, the density that is online and, like, that false perception of life, I feel like when people post real things, it opens the conversation for, you know, I've made so many mum friends on social media just from being real and having someone pop into my DMs and be like, thank you for saying that because I feel that way too. Yeah. And then the conversation goes from there and then that's a support that I'm then able to lend to someone else or that opens the floodgates for someone to jump into my DMs and be like, I feel the same, you're not alone, da da da, da. and then I feel brought up mm. and, you know, feel like my day can go on knowing someone's going through the same thing as me. Yeah. Whereas I feel like we just block block that out so much and like present it's so quick to present like this false life, like your baby's dressed cute or like you've got your walk going for a walk on the beach and da 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 and mm. really like There's meltdowns probably, and chaos. Yeah. 
Yeah. Probably the lady down the street that's just had a baby sitting in her house all by herself going through the same thing, you know? Yeah, so true. Which is kind of which is kind of sad, like going back to the old village, you know, like it takes a village. It really does. Like back in the village times, women would all raise their babies together, you know, and we're all sitting alone by ourselves mm. looking at looking at what's on the internet that what we think we should be doing. When, yeah, like again, going back to it's just so simple. Connect with mums and just trust your baby and your body. Mm. You're so right. So to wrap up today's episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? I feel like I had something really like good to say, but (laughs) ultimately like you're in the driver's seat, you know, like you are in the driver's seat. You trust your body, trust your journey. Like if you want to have a natural birth, if you want to have a cesarean, whatever you decide to do, you're capable of doing it. And then of course, again, when you have the baby, shut out the noise. Mm. What is ser- like what serves you and your baby in that moment in postpartum in raising them? What serves you regardless of what everyone else is saying and what everyone else thinks they can jump in and give you advice of what they've done or what has worked for them? Like what is working for you? Mm-hmm. Like really tune into that and that's that's like the one piece of advice I think I can give to people just do you. Yeah beautiful advice what a powerful journey you've had you're such a wise soul Jess thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom with all of us thank you so much for having me it was really nice to chat that brings us to the end of today's episode what an incredible journey Jess has had I hope you guys are feeling inspired and remember that your body is capable of remarkable things I also hope by hearing Jess's story today, it helps to remove the fear around breech birth. Something many of us have been taught is high risk, meaning most likely a cesarean if birthing in the system. But we now know through hearing so many women's stories that in most cases, it's actually just a variation of normal. Yes, of course there are risks, but there are risks with every birth. It's just weighing up where you as an individual fall on that risk scale. For all my mamas birthing in the system and facing a breech presentation baby, there are OBs out there willing to support a natural breech birth. You just have to search a little bit harder to find them. If you are unable to find someone to support you or you feel that you have to have a cesarean, there are still ways that you can make that experience a safe and peaceful one. Incorporating things into your birth space like dimmed lighting, having your playlist in the background, you could even ask to have essential oils nearby. Set the mood to make your environment as calm as possible and focus on what is important, meeting the little baby inside you. I hope you guys love today's show. If you're a fan of PBA, we would be so grateful for a review on your podcast platform. This helps us to continue the work that we're doing and to reach the women who need it. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.